Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Acts chapter number four. And we're going to read a few verses of scripture. Amen. This evening, starting with verse 19. I, I read these four verses last week toward the end of the lesson, but going to start from there tonight and go in a direction that um, that is kind of touched on here and even in the next chapter a little bit. So if I touch on it now, whenever it comes again in chapter five, don't worry. I won't be redundant and go through this all again. Unless somebody just absolutely needs me to. Acts chapter number 4 verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more. Than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them. They let them go finding nothing how they might punish them. Because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shewed. Amen. Tonight we're continuing in our series. uh, One thing about, not always, but about the book of Acts with this particular lesson is that you don't necessarily have had to be in here for the other 13 parts prior to this one in order to understand what I'm going to talk about here uh, this evening. Uh, Last night I kind of forecasted it, kind of gave the commercial. Tonight I'm going to talk about civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. Amen. Here this evening. And uh, uh, I think that that whole topic is becoming a little bit more pertinent as the hour grows nearer to the coming of the Lord. And so when is it appropriate? How, what is the fashion in which you do it? Uh, is it even acceptable at all? Or some questions that may linger in people's minds. And so I'm going to try to hope with the help of the Lord answer those through this lesson this evening. Father, I come to you here tonight. God, I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for each and everybody that's come to the house of the Lord. God, at this middle, Lord Jesus, of the road, Lord Jesus, time of the week. I pray, God, today that you're able to help us. Grant us understanding. I pray, O Lord, in this place, God, touch every guest, Lord, every member, Lord, that's here tonight. God, let the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus, meet us. God, in your word, we'll thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you do in this place. In Jesus' name, the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. For our purpose here this evening, I think it's important to uh, define what civil disobedience is for the context in which we are speaking of here tonight. It's going to be defined for our purposes this evening as purposeful, nonviolent action or refusal to act by a Christian who believes such actions or inactions is required of him or her in order to be faithful to God, which she or he knows will be treated by the governing authorities as a violation of the law. I would dare to say today, and I hope we do, I hope I can say this with uh, just a clear mind, that in most matters, uh, Christian people obey the government. I hope that's a true statement, that in most matters, Christian people obey the government, although my heart, I must tell you, is a little little, uh, disappointed, uh, and this just came to me, so pardon me, but this week, my wife uh, received a phone call concerning 
matters of a internet service that we had and we was having problems with and she went back to speak with them and and they were getting some things figured out that they had said that was going to be done but wasn't done so on and so forth and uh, of course my wife is always very cordial and such and uh, upbeat when talking to these people compliment them how good of a job they do da, 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 da. and uh, the lady said well I have no problem you know continuing with you she says because you're the first person today that has called me that has not had any balance left on your account and I'm telling you what, that just gives me a, just a sad look on society that most society with internet services carrying a balance. So I hope that in most matters, Christian, obey the government. You pay your bills on time. Well, you don't cheat on your taxes. You report all your income. Well, I don't know, need to go here. I got a lot to do right where I'm at. However, amen, for the most part, we, 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 obey, we obey the government. However, there may be some ethical circumstances that arise in our world or even with a governing body when that particular governing body orders the people to do something or not to do something by law or by commandment. And whenever that something, quote unquote, is contrary to God and contrary to his word. We as Christians, through God's word, have the endorsement to obey God first as Christians. And so what happens, the rub here comes when people attempt to interpret the Christian's response based on a phrase or a particular setting in the scriptures as opposed to the entire Bible, because we have had in recent days some ethical circumstances happen in our world where Christians uh, did not follow through with that which was asked of them based upon uh, the fact that it was against God and his word, and so they obeyed God first, and people have blew the whistle, so to speak, said, how in the world can you do that because this particular verse in the Bible says such and such. And once again, you can probably take almost any phrase out of the Bible and make it say what you want to say alone and by itself. But we are to take the whole counsel of God from Genesis and Revelations. Take that phrase and, and pour it through that chapter and then take that chapter and pour it through that individual book and then take that book and pour it through all the 66 books of God's word and come back to me and tell me if you have the same uh, concept and idea of that particular phrase. Because if you just do that, if you just take a particular phrase, uh, doing this will cause a person to believe one or two ways. You, you can find some phrases in the Bible that would support either one of these two ways. Number one, that they don't have to obey the government laws at all. You can find a phrase in the Bible that might be able to help support you in that nature. Or at the other end of the spectrum would be this, that they can never be disobedient to a corruption presented by the government. You could find it both ways. Someone could take Acts chapter 5 where this is played out again. That was played out in Acts 4. Uh, that them, them being taken in before a court because they've been teaching and preaching and mentioning the name of Jesus. And they might take Acts 5.29 alone. Someone could take Acts 5.29 alone in order to support their idea about not having to obey the government. And say, and then Peter, the Bible says, and then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. There we go. I don't have to obey the speed limit. I can walk. I can go straight through a, a stop sign and I'm going to walk when it says don't walk. Because 
We are to obey God rather than men. And while I was standing there at that crosswalk and it said, don't walk, I thought I felt the Spirit tell me to go. Now, I know that seems outrageous, but there are people, real living flesh people in this world today that would no doubt love to take that case upon their shoulders. And so you, you could attach all type of unlawful deeds uh, to the idea that God told you something to do such and such. And then as a result, it's better for me to obey God than it is to man. I'm, I ought to obey God rather than men. But then there's the other side of that coin. There's another party that might uh, use Romans chapter 13, and this will be a good basis for us concerning the subject tonight. Romans 13 that also says, be subject unto uh, the higher powers, because the powers that be are ordained of God. People taking that long setting of scripture and say, well, if the government said it, it doesn't matter what the content that it is. If it even goes against your religious beliefs, if the government said it, then you're to obey it because that government and that authority was given to them by God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Amen. And so, again, a person could take that particular phrase and could support their idea that it's never acceptable. Never acceptable to disobey the governing body or entity, even if it's a corrupt one. Even if it's one that's propagating stuff that is contrary to God or contrary to his word. Now, listen, I'm not here tonight trying to incite a riot. Okay, I'm not inciting a riot. I'm not trying to incite anybody to get by with anything, but I am inciting tonight a little bit of understanding about what your position is concerning God's word. As a Christian. And so in our passage of John, or Acts 4 rather, uh, Peter and John basically told the council that if you all, if I can just put it in layman's terms, if you all expect us not to teach Jesus and not to teach in Jesus' name, then we're just asking of you to prepare yourself to not be surprised whenever we go and teach in Jesus' name and we preach Jesus. Because the council, they said, it's up to you how you're going to judge our actions. It's up to you whether or not you think we're obeying God or obeying man or if this has any grounds at all. But, but, but the idea of this, in order for us to be obedient to you, then we have to be disobedient to God. In order for us to bow to what you're asking of us, then we got are standing in an affront and against the Lord Jesus Christ and our first allegiance. We, we honor you. We, we've lived by the, 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 the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T up until this moment of time whenever what you say is not harmonizing with the Lord but rather contrary to the Lord. And so the Bible says this. Will you allow me to read Romans 13, the first five verses? Here this evening, because this is something, let me tell you, it came up not long ago in the beginning of this year, and it will come up again. And you need to prepare your mind and your heart to know what to say in such a moment. The Bible says, let everyone be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God, and whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God, this governing power, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore? 
Ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for the conscience sake. Just a generic reading of this tonight. You just go through there, verse 1 through the verse 5. Just a generic reading gives us the impression that governing bodies are ordained of God, and they are. And to resist them is to resist God. And that these governing bodies are put into place for our good and should not be resisted for any means. And otherwise, we, we would suffer the punishment of being disobedient to the governing body. We would get punished for being resistant to the governing body. Well, first of all here this evening, let's consider, if you will, the context. That's important, the context of chapter number 13 and what it is said in here this evening. In Romans chapter number 12, the chapter that comes before it, the apostle Paul is focusing much upon good and he's focusing upon evil and he hones in on, in Romans 13 and verse 7, he hones in on after these first five verses uh, of the clearing of all debts and so forth. So this is the context that this thing is set in. Not only that, but if we read before uh, this and after this, Uh, There is a theme and a topic and a thread that's running through these, and that topic is love. He's talking about love before. He's talking about love after. He tells us that we can overcome evil with good through love. He also tells us that we shouldn't owe any man, speaking of debts, we shouldn't owe any man anything except to love that man. Or love that woman. And so it's in this we realize that you can deal with evil with the spirit of love. Mm-hmm. And, and that good is embodied, if you will, by love. Amen. And we will come to realize that we can, I hope through this lesson, we'll come to realize that we can be disagreeable while exercising the spirit of love at the same time. Amen. Paul, he's bringing balance to his teaching. He opens up Romans 12. Many of you know it, perhaps could quote it, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he says, look now, this important phrase, and be not conformed to this world. Now he's preaching to new Christians here at at Rome, telling them, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Well, folks... Lest the believers at Rome, lest the believers at Rome misapply his message and take take the spiritual plane that he's talking about here. Be not conformed to this world. It's worldliness. Do not be conformed to that. Lest they take that and misapply them then on a natural plane of nonconformity. They'll just think, well, Paul told me in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world. Yeah, he's talking to us on a spiritual plane. Don't be conformed to this world. He's not telling you to become some non-governing entity in the world and just buck against the government. All right. He don't want them to misapply all of this. Amen. Because God is a God of order. Go to Genesis. Look at the creative account. Go to Ezekiel 37. Look at the bones that come together. Then the skin and the sinew and the breath. Amen. Just just look at the different things that he does. He is a God of order. Amen. But he gives us some things in Romans chapter 13, 1 through 5. Amen. That helps us out here. Laws are not bad. I'm not setting anybody up tonight, okay? And if you're afraid, I'm not setting anybody up. Laws are not bad. Our government has given us some good laws. Yeah. Guiding principles. 
Like some of those I said before, speed limits. I know sometimes we don't think they're good, but in reality, they are. Brother Mason talked about when he came back from China and he even sent us a little video while he was over there. He said, this is chaotic. They have no speed limit rules. They have no even rules of the road. Everybody just does what they want. There's people crossing lanes. I mean, they were doing anything and everything because there is no guidance. So there are some laws. Now, what? I'd hate, imagine trying to just get across town. Amen. Their, their laws are okay. We have law, signage. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with yield and stop signs. And whenever it tells me to get over in the left lane, imagine if it didn't tell you to get over in the left lane in the next 1,500 feet. <laughs> and you're going 75 miles an hour in Texas. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Yeah. And, and so on and so forth. Building codes. Thank goodness for those laws. Amen. Various licenses that we have. If any... Derelict could just go out and grab a handgun and have it without any permit or licensing or waiting the amount of time before they could. Thank goodness for those type of things. Amen. But a person misunderstanding the intent of Romans 13 might say, I'm not going to use, let's say it like this, I'm not going to use the left lane because that would be me conforming to the world. I know I only got a permit for two deer, but I'm going to kill five because I would just be conforming to the world. Amen. See, what Romans 13 does, it gives balance to those with a misunderstanding about what Romans 12 was all about. Not conforming to the world just on a spiritual plane, but we're trying to give balance. We don't want you to be sucked in that that's just on every plane of life, that the governing bodies are important. There are some rules that they give that are valid, that are good, and therefore the safety and protection of humanity. Someone say amen. And so it's accurate. In its general principle, it is accurate. We should not resist the higher powers. And God is a God of order, and he's placed government, governing bodies into place to uphold that order. But the power that they have, any governing body, anybody that has power is only delegated power. It's power that's given to them, as the scripture says, by God. However, had Romans 13 been interpreted with no exceptions, without any proper understanding that you are to obey the governing body and that you are not to resist it. If you resist it, you'll get punishment. If they were just to take the general understanding of it, I'll tell you this, then everyone would have simply accepted the Nazi regime in Germany. Everybody would have never fought for equal rights for the black people within our own country. But we must see how Acts 4 and Romans 12 and, and Romans 13 fit into the scheme of the Bible along with other scriptures. So what I'm saying tonight is this. Here are some biblical examples of civil disobedience. When people went against the system or the governing body because what the system was saying was against God. The Bible tells us all the way back in Exodus chapter number 1 where the children of Israel was under the authority of the Egyptians and in the bondage and the rigor and the hard labor and work of them that the edict had come, the decree had come from Pharaoh that he wanted those midwives, Hebrew midwives to know that every young girl that is born, spare her. But every male that is born, you're to kill the males when they're born from the Hebrew mothers. The Bible says there were two 
two midwives, Hebrew midwives in particular, Pua and Shifra, that they spared the male babies. Now, their governing body said, you kill them all. But they are saying, no, we're not. That's civil disobedience. The government is asking of them one thing, but they're not bowing to that because to do so would then to sin against God. The Bible even says in, in Exodus 1.17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. Another area of disobedience, civil disobedience, is in Daniel 3. The three Hebrew boys that are in Babylon under the Babylon governing power. He says, whenever you hear uh, the sackbut and the tabret and all these different instruments play, bow down to this golden image and, and do homage and worship unto me. And when it happened, there's three boys out of the masses that are just standing there not doing it. Did you understand what I said? I'm going to give you another chance when the music plays, bow down and worship the golden image. And they said we're not careful to answer you in this king basically they said this we don't care how many times you strike up the band it doesn't matter how many times you strike up the band we are not bowing what is that that's civil disobedience a governing body say do it they're saying we're not doing it because we have godly convictions and that would go against God another episode of civil disobedience also found in Daniel 6 Whenever the, 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 the men that were leaders there under uh, the king had come together, they seen the faithfulness of Daniel. They couldn't pin anything bad on him, so they're going to use his good against him. They get with the king and said, King, let's, let's make up a decree that for 30 days no one is to pray, no one is to mention the name of any other god but, but our gods, and they put it in order. It got stamped with the king's signet ring. Everything was well, but the Bible says, now this is interesting, this is not like... Daniel had no idea. The Bible says in Daniel 6, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew it had taken place. He knew the king had signed on it. When he knew the writing was signed, he went into his house. He kneeled down. He opened his windows. He prayed as he did aforetime. Why? Because to not would go against his God. And he would rather obey God, he ought to obey God, rather than man and a governing body. And so our passages as well, Acts 4 and Acts 5, these are episodes of civil disobedience. Can someone say amen? amen. What God knows is although he places people into power and he endorses structure and he gives authority to government, that no doubt people still have choices still have wills, they still serve in those capacities, and that those people may be flawed, and they may be corrupt, insomuch that they may charge the good, uh-huh, punish the good, if you will, and welcome the bad. A case in point is 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, eight which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, the rulers, the princes, the governing bodies of the world crucified Jesus because they lacked the wisdom of God. Amen. They lacked the wisdom of God that he was the one, amen, to take away. They said if they had known it, they would not have done it. But they lacked the wisdom of God. Amen. And so these, these authorities that are Romans, these authorities that are Romans, were admonished to follow and not resist. 
And if you follow and not resist, they did not resist the good. Look at it, if you will, Romans 13 and verse number 3. Here are the rulers that Paul is talking about. A general reading, you'll skip over this. You'll read it, but you won't get it. R- r- 3, he said, for the rulers, the rulers that he's talking about that are authorities that are placed by God. You understand what I'm saying? So don't skip over verse 3. He said, for rulers are not a terror to good works. Another saying, he's saying these governing authorities that I'm talking about are not a terror. They have nothing against good works, but evil. In other words, this is different. He's not saying these governing authorities I'm talking about are, are those that are not a terror to evil works, but good. You hear what I'm saying? What he's saying is these are good rulers. These are good rulers because they praise the good, all right, but they'll bring punishment on the evil he goes on and says wilt thou then not be afraid of that of the power do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same you just obey obey these laws because these are good rulers and they have good laws and when you do that everything will be fine but he goes on in verse 4 he says for he this ruler that praises the good and brings punishment for the evil he is a minister of God to these for good amen in other words these rulers did not correct someone for doing good works but for evil They praised good works. Amen. They are a ruler that is properly termed a minister of God. Because as God even judgeth evil and praises good, these real rulers, he says, are ministers of God because they likewise uphold good, but they punish evil. And so all this authority that is given to them by God, amen, This authority that's given to governing bodies by God, they use that authority in such a way and in a discretion, if they're godly leaders, to do likewise as God would do, and that is praise the good and execute judgment on the evil. But the idea of the matter is this. Not every governing body or every choice by man is good. Right? God, in Isaiah, spoke the name Cyrus before he was ever born and was going to bring up Cyrus to come at an appointed time as a ruler to let God's people go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. He gave Cyrus entry into the world, gave him authority to do that. But also, God set up Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he calls him in Jeremiah, my servant. He gives Nebuchadnezzar authority to do what he did, which was take the Israelites into captivity. All right? All right? In order to judge them, yes, but he gave the authority. So God was up to something. Though Nebuchadnezzar had power, and that power was given to him by God, amen, we understand that presidents, kings, prime ministers, senators, congresspeople, they all have a certain degree of power and the origin of that power is God. And they may use their power in the positive sense or in a negative sense. But the awesome thing about God, regardless whatever way they work, he has the ability of working all things together for his, not just working all good things together, but whether they be positive or negative, working all things together for good. Because the good in God's eyes is the fulfillment of his word. And let me just pull back the curtain. I'm not here to ruffle anybody here just short before election time. But everything that happens coming down the pike toward the end of the world isn't going to be good. But God's going to work it for the good. 
So you got to be careful. Think, well, bless God, we're going to go to hell in a handbasket with this person. Well, that might be the very will of God. He's not going to say the world's going to wax worse and worse and get a better person in there to take us up. And I'm not trying to influence your vote. I'm just telling you, you go on, vote your conscience, vote the word of God, and God will do what God will do. He had Nebuchadnezzar in place, gave him authority. He knew the propensity of that man, but it was going to bring about what he needed ultimately for his nation, Israel. And so, though several kings in the Old Testament were considered evil, God is in the picture. Daniel 2.21, and he changes, speaking of God, the times and the seasons. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. Giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Daniel 4.32, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as an ox. It's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. And seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And giveth it to whomsoever he will. So God gives authority. He gives authority, delegates authority, not just to those that do good. But he delegates authority even to those with wills that have a propensity or proclivity, a tendency of doing evil. He gave authority to Pilate. And Pilate used his authority over Jesus to turn him over to a crowd that would crucify him. And I've said it before, yeah, and we can go to the verse, I don't want to, but John 19, that's whenever Pilate was speaking unto the Lord, and he said, do you not know I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? And Jesus just basically told him, he said, you don't have any power against me except it were given to thee from above. Now, what Pilate did, we would say that's evil, but the power was still ordained from God, or he wouldn't have been able to do it. So authority has been given to the leaders, corrupt or incorrupt, by God. Some use it for good. Some use it for bad. Some use it most of the time for good and have episodes of bad. Oh, can you believe that? I believe it. I'm a pastor. I see people supposed to be Christians and they have an off day. But those, listen to me, those that Romans and Paul is illustrating, the rulers that, that are not a tear for good, those that we should not resist are those who handle that power and authority for good, like the Apostle Paul was viewing in verse 5. He said, wherefore, we must, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but, for, but also for conscience. Say, conscience sake. In other words, there are two reasons stated here why a person must subject to the authority of the higher powers that be for good. Two reasons why. Number one, you want to avoid the wrath. The wrath as a evildoer. All right? Because if you do good as they, as they say do good, that's great. But if you don't do good as they say do good, then you are a evil, an evildoer. If they are doing good, have laws that are good, and we resist the laws that are good, we suffer as an evildoer. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 15, but let none of you, everybody say me, let none of you suffer 
as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Verse 16, look at this. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. In other words, don't be an evildoer by resisting good law. The murderer, the thief, the one that raped someone. Don't suffer as an evildoer by, by resisting the good of the law. But if you resist the corruption of the law as a Christian, be not ashamed. But glorify God in that matter. Because in that matter, you are honoring God and not a governing authority. And God always takes preeminence. God always takes preeminence. So no, number one, we, 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 two reasons why we must be subject to authority of higher power that is doing good is that we don't want to suffer wrath as an evildoer and also for our, our, conscious, our conscience sake. By, by and large, our conscience, the Bible speaks of an evil and a good conscience, but in its original form of creation was that it was a good thing. Our conscience was a good thing, greatly tied to God. And according to the scriptures, if we disobey or obey, we do both. Listen to me. If you obey the good or you disobey the corrupt, in both instances, you do it for the Lord's sake. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.13. Again, the type is qualified in verse 14. It's talking about good rulers. But he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Again, the context is a good ruler. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to kings as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. But at other times, God may be testing us on such things. Yeah. He did in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy. Place, uh, place in the scripture that points it out. Deuteronomy 13 and verse 1. The Bible says. If there arise among you. A prophet. Or a dreamer of dreams. Give it thee a sign or a wonder. And the sign or the wonder come to pass. Whereof he spake unto thee saying. Let us go after other gods. Which thou hast not known. And let us. Serve them. He said, there's a prophet arising, a dreamer dreams rising, and the word of this leader, of this governing one, said, let's go after other gods. He said, if that happened, look at verse 3, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Let me tell you, on this earth, we are underneath the governing authority, and that's where it is. But when that authority gets out of line with God, your authority, God, becomes the governing authority in the matter. Amen. Oh, Brother McGee, this is just a bunch of hodgepodge. Never going to happen. It has already happened. And the frequency will increase. Mark the words of this preacher because I'm just basing them upon the scripture. Amen. So when we obey when we obey authorities that rightly, rightly handle their God-given authority, we do it for the Lord's sake. And when we disobey authorities that are mishandling their God-given authority, we do it for the Lord's sake. 
I want to share this with you because this is a document of our nation, okay? I'm going to read just an excerpt from the Declaration of Independence that, that, that seems almost to give a means that is permissible of civil disobedience by our Declaration of Independence. It's a portion there in the Declaration that says this, Mike. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government. In other words, as citizens, we may call the government to account for its actions and inactions and matters that seem to go south. And our modern day, modern day example would be earlier this year, something that was still taking place. If I mention the name Kim Davis, a lot of people will remember the whole scenario that surrounded the Kim Davis episode being a county clerk in the state of Kentucky. If you remember, Kim Davis refused to issue marriage license to same-sex couples, not just them, but also two straight couples. She refused to issue marriage license to them because it would violate her religious beliefs, her religious biblical beliefs. Again, it wasn't just same-sex couples, but also straight couples that she refused any license to because she did not want to discriminate anyone. And so she wasn't going to give it to some. She wasn't going to give it to any. Amen. And so when she did this, and here's the thing, these couples, both the same-sex ones and what they, they termed the straight couples, both of them could obtain license elsewhere. Before it ever came, before any of this ever arose and came to the public stand, she pleaded. She was in meetings before this ever came to the public. She was in meetings and she was pleading with legislators in Kentucky to help protect clerks that had moral issues in this particular regard. Here is, here, she, I'm not, I don't want to set her on a pedestal because something will happen and she'll get knocked down, you know, something will happen. Everybody says, well, there goes that. But she is a very good model for how to handle items of civil disobedience. Because, for one, she didn't just refuse same sex, but even those that were straight said no one's getting it. If I will, she's kind of doing what Roman says. As much as that lied within her, she was trying to live peaceably. Secondly, whenever she's making pleas here before any of this came to the surface of trying to find means and ways that county clerks can still function in their jobs without issuing these licenses, again, she's trying to, before it ever becomes public, she's trying to take care of something in private. Amen. That is, that is a notable, notable thing for a Christian to do. And so she refused then. She refused then even allowing the deputies that were under her from issuing the licenses because her name was on these marriage licenses. And she felt like if she let them do it, her name's still there. And if her name's there, it would be as though she's endorsing what she, by biblical stand, did not endorse. So she wouldn't give them the authority to do that because they were using her name. All right? And she even proposed a solution that they would just remove her name from the county clerk as the, you know, remove the county clerk's name, her name, from the marriage license forms. And everybody can get what they want, do what they do, but I don't have to be seen as giving an endorsement to anything. When she swore 
And when she first took her office, which was years earlier, swore under the United States Constitution and also uh, the state government of the, 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 the Constitution of Kentucky, the state of Kentucky, this same-sex marriage thing was not even an issue then. It was banned at that point in time in Kentucky. What I'm saying is this. Kim Davis was subject to an authority. She was subject to the Kentucky government. She was subject to the United States government. All right? But... Because something arose from those governing bodies that went against this government and his government, she says, I must resist what is being propagated here right now because for me to accept it would then to be to resist God and resist God's word. So, and I believe this, in the spirit of love, I don't ever recall her just being mean-spirited. A lot of times there were tears falling down her face. But in a spirit of love, she did so because she was trying to resolve an issue peaceably. Listen to these next words. I read somewhere this man wrote this statement, and this kind of sums it up in just a little nugget right here. Tuck it back in your brain. It is right to resist what God has appointed in order to obey what God has commanded. It's right to resist what God has appointed, the governing body, in order to obey what God has commanded through his word and through his scriptures. That's really, in essence, what Paul was telling the Corinthians at the church at Corinth, whenever he told them, I know this was in a church dynamic, but it still is applicable just for the governing body of the world. He said, be followers of me, right, as I am of what? Christ. He basically was telling them then, as long as I'm following Christ, follow me. That's the premise. You follow me as I'm following him. And so the, the reverse of that is this. Don't follow me. If I'm not following. The same is true within our real world. We've got to follow them as long as the things that they ask of you are not making you go against his word, making you sin. Follow them to the best of your ability. But in case there's an infraction where it does not line up with God's word and it would cause you to sin to obey them, then you must obey God ultimately because the fact of the matter is there may be yet again a scenario when the government commands something the law of God forbids or it could be a little different the government may forbid something that the law of God permits you hear me and so we are to attempt peace as much as, you know, let us reason together. To attempt peace as much as, I mean, the moment that you see an infraction is not the moment to, you know, get out your sword and let it glisten on both blades. All right? It's, a, it's not the time to, you know, get out your gun and throw in the, <laughs> the magazine and be ready to, no. Let's see if we can reason together. Right? 
Again, Paul Tosi said, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men, including governing authorities. But he said, if it be possible, which tells me it's not always. It's not always possible. And in the moment, it's not. We must stand. That's easy to say right now. But we must stand for and with God. And in a spirit of love, Sister Candy, we must resist. And if necessary, suffer as a Christian. But if you do, it won't be as an evil doer. I don't know, Brother Lee. I'm telling you. You can stand with me. That's good Bible. That's good Bible day stuff. It's about ready to become our day stuff. Yeah. Ask yourself, just think about about 20 years ago. Some of you 10, that's not that old. Think about some of the things that have come down the pipe that you thought never. Some of our elders bend their ear and tell how just appalled they are by what's happened over the years of their life. I never thought we would be here, right? Huh? I never thought, I never, well, here we are. And so I'd rather be talking about this on this side of it so that in the hour that it may happen that you're not standing there with your pants around your ankles, so to speak. Huh? Because I heard whenever there was the infraction there back in the earlier of the year, I heard people bringing up Romans 13. And saying, y'all, bunch, you're wrong. You must respect all the government authorities because their power come from God. Yeah, it does. So does everybody else's power. They all come from God. But Paul says, for these rulers, though, are ones that you should not have terror for if you do good, but if you do evil. He specified then the type of rulers he was contending, he was explaining and dealing with. We bow our heads in this place tonight. Father, I love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.